be Saturday. What day is it today? Wednesday. Exactly. Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falconstein from Falcon Screen, and we're joined by freelance writer and critic Virat Nehru. Hurrah! And Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Hurrah! And we also had Sydney filmmaker Virat Nehru because he worked on a short film on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, we were all uh, blurring boundaries and we we're becoming each other. Yeah, it was bound to happen. But it's exciting. We could all be filmmakers and writers, and everyone should get out there, make a short film. Virat's doing it. Virat's going to enter it at some film festivals. And speaking of film festivals, there's a fair bit going on at the moment. The Fantastic Film Festival Australia is on now until May 6th at the Ritz Cinemas. The Spanish Film Festival is also on now until May 15th at Palace Cinemas. Cinema Reborn starts tonight and runs through until May 1st. I want to really catch over the weekend. Beautiful big screen restorations that you only want to see on the big screen, also at the Gorgeous Ritz. I know it's a little bit out of the way but honestly one of the best films festivals in australia is the screen Wave international film festival in coffs harbour want to check out if you're anywhere near the north coast static vision have an event in melbourne and sydney tonight which you can catch right after the show as do philmonic melbourne philmonic melbourne are having an event and live streaming a short film night um and maybe just just over a week away but the city science fiction film festival have a may 4th star wars themed event timely app one to check out we're going to be covering The Northman this week, the new Robert Eggers film starring Alexander Skarsgård as Violence. And this- <laughs> Indeed. That's the most apt description of, of the film in one line that I could think of. Yeah. There's more to it, but not much. No, it, it, it is, it is not a, much. Now, well, there's much. a lot to it, but there's also not much to it. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, to note, um, at this big events in the film world, Khan. Yeah, yeah, that lineup's out. Looks pretty good. A lot of those films will come to the Sydney Film Festival, which are launching their program always on Eurovision Week. So May 11th, May 12th. There's some films already out, but we'll give more coverage when Sydney Film Festival go into really full swing again after after three years and have a full program, which is very exciting. Before we get into the Northern, we have very far from the quality yeah, of Khan. Yeah, let's, let's talk very quickly before we get into the Northman about Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, Part 3, The Secrets of Dumbledore. It is the third one, which they may as well have called it that, starring Jude Law, Mads Mikkelsen as Grindelwald, the third person to play Grindelwald. It is about a chill and an ancient mythical Chinese and Japanese creature, the actual story behind which is much more interesting than the film, and tangents, shenanigans that happen between one Newt Scamander played by Eddie Redmayne and more crimes by Grindelwald on part of Mads Mikkelsen. This is a lazy, lazy filler film. You have to really have seen the others. And no, I, I didn't really like the Harry Potter films that much. What I appreciated about them was they were all individual installments. I could enjoy them each individually. This felt like we're setting up for another film and we're just coming in in the middle of a bunch of other films. There were story lines that had really nothing to do with each other. They had a big scratch to bring Jake Kowalski, the most loved, beloved character in these films again, but a character that made absolutely no sense. CGI was good, but there's too many CGI landscapes. I don't think there was a single scene shot with natural light. I will give the film credit in one respect that the actual plot of the film is interesting. The idea that Grindelwald, Voldemort, also on which very um, subtle 1940s German wizard who doesn't like um, people who are different. I mean, the Death Eaters were a nicely broad analogy for intolerance and hatred, whereas this is just much more on the nose. The idea that he can see the future and then so to outwit him, a group of friends have to do random things, rely on randomity and rely on each other and know that at the last minute, one might be called forward to step up, but they don't know who, is actually a great premise for team building and friendship and drama, but they really only use that in very, very limited ways. So it's an interesting setup 
with a lazy film with great actors. And that's because it always brings his best. But there's only one scene I actually laughed at. I found really charming. It was where a bunch of bagels came out of a suitcase in ever larger piles. I can't recommend it. I wouldn't even say for the hardcore Harry Potter fans. Honestly, just I'd rather go back and read one of the books again. It wasn't great. I hope it gets better. I, if there is another one, that is Fantastic Beasts. I don't think there'll be another one. They were saying that um, they were hedging their bets on making the last two. I was kind of doubting they'd even make the third, honestly, because when the second came out, it got bad reviews. It got bad word of mouth from the general public and Harry Potter fans. Mm. And it was around the time that the J.K. Rowling trans comments controversy was coming to a head. Now they've said they're deciding whether to do the fourth or fifth based on whether the third does well at the box office and it's doing badly or at least disappointing. So it looks like that's it for the series. I did find it, it kind of weird and silly that, that they made a filler entry when it was at a do or die point for the series. No one's excited for a five film story of something that is being written as they go along and isn't even that interesting. You know, there's no basis. It's very bold. It's not like they've written novels that have years to uh, be polished. They're, they're on a rolling timeline having to make five stories. Anyway, how not to manage your Hollywood franchise. No, it's very, very so weak. Wait, and So wait, uh, they don't, they haven't planned out the five film arc yet? It, you think they plan the... out these in advance, really? They go on what I... works in the box office. Oh, okay. Wow. Ouch. It's, it's, it's very bad. And also just to note, of all the bad CGI scenes, there's one under the Brooklyn Bridge, the famous shot from Once Upon a Time in America and all these other films that has been reproduced so much better in other movies and it just looks fake. I know it doesn't look like what it did in the 1940s, but man, just shoot an actual set. You could afford it. Also to note, I know there's been a lot of speculation extra to the books that Grindelwald and Dumbledore were lovers. Um, the film could not have gone in this direction. It would be perfectly fine. They could have just been friends and then all collaborators and enemies. The film takes every pain to emphasize and suggest this without actually saying it explicitly. And I feel they could have just said they were lovers. If that was the approach they would have gone, it would have been just as interesting as saying they were collaborators and fell apart. But uh, the studio did not have the guts to do it. And that just makes it awkward and frustrating and sad. And there's no reason if that is the approach you wanted to go, not being more direct about it. And, and, and I'm not saying something is not a good thing, but that was a part of the story that had to be explored in a little more, more concretely. So it's just wishy-washy and weak. It's just cowardice because they can't use that in China. That's what this is all about. Apparently the one line where they say, like, we loved each other or something is being cut. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, so I, I will give the first credit. Though. I've never seen a film set in Bhutan, to my memory, and this is also partly set in Bhutan. So cool. That is Fantastic Beasts. It's not great. Yay. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's nice seeing magic again, but just to get a little more creative. And also just a lot of fan service from Harry Potter. They go to the room of requirement, things like this, things we've seen. Just introduce us to new worlds. We don't need to go back to Hogwarts, honestly. A better film is The Northman by Robert Eggers, starring Alexander Skarsgård. It is set in the North. It's about a dynasty. We meet Alexander Skarsgård's character at a young Hamlet. age, Hamlet. We get up to his father. His father mm. is killed by his uh, brother, and he survives this assassination. And his father takes over the kingdom, and he begins a lifelong, you killed my father, prepared to die quest for vengeance which takes him from the north through the baltics into iceland wow and it also stars Andy taylor joy ethan Hawke, nicole kidman willem dafoe in a small role a lot of good actors here in small roles yeah i did not like this film this yeah is... okay I, I was surprised because i thought you might like it because i no. didn't like it did you like it no i, I didn't like it much but i, I, just, I moderately I just, liked it there's things to admire for sure yeah but there's a massive emotional void at the core of this film i think i got away 
the sense that the main goal of this film is production design. It's really about um, okay. production design and visualizing Viking rituals and Viking mythology, the fantastical yes. supernatural aspects of it, um, with contemporary CGI and using a basic narrative template that everyone knows and understands as a clothes horse to hang those on. Um the problem is you still have to watch the story and nothing about it is engaging. I agree. I, I think the, the bits that were most engaging for me were uh, were this kind of Viking mythology and how it, it actually comes to life. Uh, in the you know I didn't know much about Viking mythology. I haven't seen the show Vikings. So mm-hmm. apparently a lot of this is already covered in the show Vikings. So people who've seen the show as well were like, oh yeah, I already knew about this. I'm just like, okay. Wasn't- Basic kind of Viking, you know, the interesting, sensational Viking rituals. Owned by Vikings. I liked the mythical recreations. I would extend the um, praise to production design, to costume design, and very specifically set design. It was great. Let's Um, just say it's about design. Yeah. And and I would also extend that to the treatment of the music to situate us in this world. The music was great. Bjork had a scene in this. I know she contributed to a lot of the music. So the ambiance, the aesthetic of this film, I found very interesting. But what bothered me more than uh, anything else is that this film relies on a sense of scale and epic. And it's this journey between so many otherworldly places in the context of this era in what 898 and while we do see him travel great distances there's no real feeling of ground traverse and places moved i mean i was fortunate i was watching it with someone who understood a bit of the differences of language so i knew suddenly okay we're in the baltics now we're in the far east or around lithuania this is fascinating to me now we're going to iceland but i feel absent that explanation and i don't mean the film has to be prescription in terms of you're now here you're now here but i think there are more there are ways to convey the scale of the journey from the far north through to the far east, at least, far, and then into Iceland. And absent that, there's just a feeling that this could have been, I don't believe it was, but there's a feeling that just this could have been filmed on just different adjacent areas not too far away. It's not the case, and the film, unfortunately, doesn't really convey that. I did- I, I'm with you that there's not a real sense of the large-scale, you know, the journey. It's more like they just seem to, like, teleport, and sometimes there's an establishing shot of a Lord of the Rings, like, drone coming over the, the group marching along, and that's it. Yeah, and also on that, the, the part of the premise is that he gets around these places because he puts himself on a, on a slave boat in order to be traded, there's no way that every any person, I mean, that they managed to survive not being traded until he got to the point where he just wanted to infiltrate where he was. There's a lot of things in this film you just kind of have to buy and don't entirely make sense. I did like when they got to Iceland. The it was CGI, but the shots of the uh, some of the, uh, some of the volcanic shots and some of the environment was beautiful. It was amazing to behold. And the character itself, like Skarsgård, he loves doing ah. stuff. He loves doing. Big, violent, strong man. Yeah. He's very good and at it, like full credit to him. Like the guy's physically capable of doing these roles. Yeah. Oh, he you completely buy him. And they, one of the cliche shots of this film that Eggers keeps returning to is this shot of Skarsgård from behind surveying some scene. And it just shows up how goddamn tall he is and broad-shouldered. This guy is a beast. Yeah. You believe yeah. that this guy is going to mess you up. But... <laughs> You don't really believe that he feels anything, despite the fact that he talks. As you, if you watch the trailer, you'll know that this guy's really obsessed with rescue mother. Yeah. You know, um, rescue kill, mother, kill, slay kill un- man, avenge father, kill Jordan or whatever his name is. Yeah, um, you'd never feel that, and you never really feel anything in this film. 
This movie's going for, as like I said before, a really archetypical, basic story approach and a story everybody knows. I think intentionally because the Viking stuff could be alienating to people who don't know what they're watching. And part so, of it is that part of it is there's no real audience identification figure. There's no real sympathetic character. I think you make a good film without sympathetic characters, but these are just people you do not want to emulate or like <laughs> or look up to. Actually, I think I think the film did some something with the Hamlet template, which was interesting. It does play around with our usual perceptions of the main characters. For example, Claudius in the original play, you know exactly what his motivations are from Hamlet. And I think Eggers uses that knowledge to actually subvert some of those expectations in this film, which I quite liked. In, in this film, you kind of get the idea that uh, that perhaps Hamlet's motivations aren't as pure as they come across to be in the, in the beginning. And also Gertrude's character, which Nicole Kidman gets to play, also gets different touch. So uh, I, I could see how situating this in the Viking context specifically brings different motivations to these characters, which are, yes, Hamlet's stand-ins for some point, but also they become their own characters. But that comes in way too late. And by that point, you've almost kind of checked out of the film, unfortunately. To note, the story of Amleth was the inspiration <laughs> for Hamlet, for Shakespeare. He used it as a template. However, um, I'm sure this version of The Northman also draws from Hamlet. Uh, I, I don't know enough about the original tale to verify that, but of course it does. Anyway, when you're trying to tell an archetypical or cliched story like this, the challenge is to get you to care about each moment as if it was new, you know, to have, I, I, as Brett was saying, like either an interesting or new take on what the characters are feeling or their motivations, or just a pure kind of sincerity in execution that allows you to empathize with the, the person, like a depth of feeling. I don't feel like there was really anything human in this film. Like any, no. it's intellectualized and built around spectacle. But um, like we were saying before, it's difficult to ever really emotionally empathize with Skarsgård, who's just kind of this Viking cool guy, Superman figure. Early on in this movie, I, I just immediately got a bad feeling, even though it was incredibly pretty, incredibly well executed in terms of the design and the choreography of the camera. I kind of thought this movie has been designed to death like all kind of spontaneity and feeling has been bled out of it. And instead I'm looking at this, I got a similar feeling from 1917 with another movie built around these big long takes with the camera roving around. It's built around the technical perfection of, oh, look, we move the camera over to here right as this happens. And then it goes over to here right as this happens. And it all looks really pretty. Um, but it feels like that motivation is trumping anything else. And I'm, I love formalism. I love technique. I'm not here to say don't try and make a spectacle with, you know, show off your filmmaking skills. But it feels like the priorities are out of whack in this movie because it's like, all right, cool, you know, but I don't care. Yep. There's just finally on the motivation, you needed a real emphasis on that this was such a rough environment that what people do has a real utilitarian aspect the greatest good, the greatest number. This wasn't really conveyed. People come across as just a bunch of really selfish individuals. And then the tragic element of how people approach power and family and vengeance only really comes full circle and very abruptly towards the end of the film. There's not enough really time to, to emphasize 
or reflect on this. And again, the, the inversion of the Hamlet tale works, but it means that you're dealing with just characters you can't really um, move towards identify with. I feel that the aesthetics, there's, it does feel research, does feel lived in, not to the extent that the immer- as immersive as something like The Witch was. Um, I feel this relies a little more on storied and familiar archetypes. Um, it's not an odd movie which, like his last two. But no, it is in the, yeah, it's designed for mainstream of people. Speaking of which, there's been a bit of criticism. There was an audit piece in The Guardian about a week ago talking about how this is supposed to relay an idea of very stereotypical masculine ideals. And there was uh, arguments made that this film is promoting inadvertently or otherwise quite harmful toxic ideas of masculinity that are and far right and so far right wing ideology that are play that that play into problematic aspects and subgroups that you don't want to further or have um, their ideas emulated within the film. I don't entirely agree. No. I think that I think you could read you could uh, very deliberately and in a roundabout way, read it into this. I think these are ideations and stylistic and cultural ideals that have existed long before um, these very toxic elements have come about. I think the film isn't endorsing toxicity or violence. I think it's showing how tragic it is. I think it's showing, like again, I've said it, but unsympathetic characters for the part of, and I don't think it's endorsing this sort of behavior. I think that Skarsgård, again, he's just, he, he just has an amazing screen presence his credit and this film is an indictment on how just not just violence but obsession and vengeance is terrible so i i liked the film for that i i kind of feel like the movie's having its cake and eating it too i could go in a rant here so i'll let Varad chime in i i mean i just want to address the concerns of the guardian article firstly the end that these characters come to eventually should lay to rest any kind of concern that this film is trying to show uh, any of these characters in a sympathetic light or that these characters need to be glorified. None of these characters are glorified to the extent or romanticized at all. You kind of see them for the absolute despicable, horrible people that they are. And the film is pulling no punches in doing that. Uh, and secondly, this film is set at a time which is very different to our contemporary sort of understanding of morality today. And so it, you know, why why can't we show a film of its time, it doesn't need to match our contemporary sensibility. So it's fine. Well, part of the joy, part of the joy of this sort of, um, let's broadly call it a swords and sandals epic, even though it's not, is like- Very uh, much so, uh, actually. I I think it's it's, more content being that, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, um, let's go back to a different moral structure and uh, ride with it and see what places, what strange and grotesque places it takes us to and, Let's get off on that. So speaking. <laughs> but but yeah. still in doing that, still <clears throat> without giving anything away, the film still has very interesting takes on how uh, the treatment of women in, in, in the Viking era sure. and actually subverts that template in, in doing so. So actually, if anything else, it gives a lot more agency to female characters in this particular uh, film. Both Annie Taylor-Joy and Nicole Kidman I seem, to, okay, seem to actually... Uh, have a lot of agency in how they choose their actions within the film, even though at some points they seem to be, you know, at other people's mercy. I know. I think this shows a unfortunately realistic situation where women rely on that. We, we see, we see often cases as it was very sadly back in the day, protection against very violent elements. Um, 
we saw a outrageously outrageous and actually quite well staged scene at the beginning involving a raid on a village, which we haven't talked about. Um, it was very, very good. I don't think this film, I, I, I think this film depicts not unrealistic environments for women then and now. And I'm of the view that it doesn't, importantly, doesn't endorse this. It yeah. shows um, Nicole Kidman in the kid's character in a very bad position. It shows we meet Anya Taylor-Joy on a slave ship, having been taken from a family. Yes, deciding that she wants to to see if she can um, alleviate herself of a particular situation, which doesn't mean to say that she's in a good position or I think really has agency. No. I think she's very good in this. I think her. I, I think she's. I think she brings the ethereal element that she brought to The Witch and other films into this. I think she has I an amazing screen presence. Very well paired with Skarsgård, but I yeah. don't think the film um, really gives the female characters a great deal of scope. But importantly, again, doesn't endorse their treatment. I think Anya Taylor is completely forgettable. She's largely there for the way she looks, as you say. She's an ethereal presence. I, I what I meant in terms of agency, I didn't mean in terms of like they have a lot of choice in the matter. I mean, agency in terms of they're not complete victims for the entirety. The things they do get to choose within the limited scope that they have uh, about what they want to do. And actually, I liked that template that, yes, they are victims of circumstance, but that's not all they're reduced to. I'm not I don't, I, I don't think it's a matter of choice. I think it's a matter of that in very limited occasions, characters um, see that they have the option to try and alter the circumstances, which I wouldn't really classify as so strongly as agency. Do you think, uh, but look, I think these are interesting tangents that the film otherwise could have developed on, but didn't. The focus exactly. on Scar's character. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm not going to give the movie props for having, you know, oh, an interesting take on women have some kind of agency because is it possible to make a movie in America aiming, a lot, aiming at a largely urbane city-dwelling left-leaning audience or, you know, that doesn't feature some kind of revisionist women have some kind of agency. It's only possible to make that movie if you're doing RRR in India, right? Where women it's, are just completely <laughs> damsels in distress and have it's, no it's, agency at all. But yeah, it's ancillary it's to... Not, it's, not that, it's, not, it's not unusual for the Northmen to take this angle based on any other movie along these lines. It just doesn't... Can we put this into what Skarsgård is doing? Sword and Sandals. Sorry? It's all ancillary to can we fit this into what Skarsgård is doing? Exactly. Also, yeah. Um, how many chest shots can we show of this man? How many times can he go? Bah, bah. How many times can he tear someone's face off with his oh, bare teeth? Their throat out with oh. his teeth. Jesus, yeah, he's oh, a wolf. yeah. There, there was the wolf scenes. Oh, this great. has brought me full circle to what you were kind of saying about the violence. And see, I kind of wonder what the point of this movie was beyond just like an obsession with cool Viking details. The, and, and apparently the original cut of the film had more Viking mythology. So if yeah, this is, the, re if this is the reduced version, then... That's what it's driving Eggers, I think, yeah. But yeah, because when, when I said before about the movies kind of like having its cake and eating it too, like, yeah, okay, it says violence is... Revenge is bad. Like every revenge movie of the past 20 years, right? Except for a few yeah. like bad late-night TV players, right? Like, like what I was saying about the portrayal of women's agency it's kind of like okay cool like that what's new you know and like but the movie still indulges in some ferocious gore where I kind of feel yeah. that combined with the very video gamey feeling I get from some of these clinical digital too perfect tracking shots through watching this guy run around slaughtering things um yeah, it, it gives me the feeling that this is just kind of like video gamey and adolescent of like, like, whoa, awesome gore. Whoa, awesome Vikings. Remember when throats were just ripped out? Like, even though the movie says, yeah, violence is bad, it's very much saying, come along and enjoy the spectacle of um, 
of, of violence and violence. Yes. And, you know, I, I'm not going to be like just a pure moralist and say, you know, violence can never be enjoyable and fun in movies. I liked the fight but, scenes. Sorry? I had a great time with the fight scenes. They were good. They're very well choreographed, but the movie is so kind of ugly. Like it's so, it's very pretty in terms of design, but there's no beauty in this movie. Um, the like morally, it's so kind of ugly. It's so kind of ugly by design, and it it's all about violence, 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 and horrible death. And, no, and it comes to conclusions that we all already know and have been made in recent films many times about the cyclical nature of violence. And I just kind of coming away on a story level, saying, what was the point of this? It feels almost nihilistic to put this much talent and effort into something. That's just a excuse. Maybe I'm being very reductive saying it's just an excuse, but basically feels like an excuse to wallow in violence and savagery. I, I don't know. I get a really bad feeling in, in the same way that a lot of recent American movies have given me about the nihilism of this. And it combines with the tone where the whole thing right from the beginning is this very doomy, um, portentous, this is very serious tone. Right that um, stops, you know, with completely humorless, um, insisting on the darkness, seriousness, and importance of what you're watching while we go through the motions of this grim gore. However, I think there is an emphasis on loss of space and community and sense of yes. self that we see. I mean, we don't just see the violent raid on the village. We see the after effects where individuals are affected, how persons are impacted, how mothers and children react um, importantly, that uh, we see scenes following these amazing bouts of violence. Uh, I, I say amazing in a graphic sense rather than a, oh my God, it's so great sense. Mm. And we see sequences where people feel disembodied, people feel grief, people feel scared. That uh, we see the impacts of this. And I think that's relevant. Some of the very gratuitous violence they depict, I think, realistically for the time, even though they don't linger on. I, I think the film does try to have it both ways, but I think there's enough of an emphasis on why this is bad that I'm okay to go along with it. And I think it's still morally instructive without being um, obscene or gratuitous or exploitative. I don't think this is an exploitative film. Yeah, I think to me it's kind of in the same way that a lot of recent films have been. It's kind of skirting the line of exploitative to me. Yeah, there's, there's bits where it's, oh, okay, like... like Unfortunately, there are bits where you can just see it being extracted and being, all right, man does epic vengeance thing, go man with great chest. But I think that's a big part of the movie. Like I like yeah. it's having its cake thing. I think Eggers is like, yeah, look at this guy. We found a guy who really looks like he could just rip you into five pieces. Rock on. Like, I think that's a big driving force of the film. There's, there's one more thing I'd like to say about this film that we haven't touched on, which is that it's funny, but not intentionally so. When I said that it's humorless, it's so humorless. <laughs> yeah. While, as we said before, dealing with cliches, and as I, I was just saying previously, doing so with an incredibly self-serious, portentous tone with lots of big, dark chiming, while the characters are just speaking the most basic thing you've ever seen before about like, I have to, I have to avenge my father. I must, you know, bruh, 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 bruh. protect mother. It, it becomes funny. You know, I, I must, ha I have come to these lands to have my vengeance. Like when you're dealing with cliches, <laughs> you need to, like I was saying before, dig deep into the human motivation moment to moment to make it feel real. And this just doesn't at all while it's saying like, 
guys, 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 this is really serious. You've got to get really drawn up in this. And it, it just after a certain point is absurd. There's many great and moments like that. Mark, the there's, there's, there's many great times. My favorite of this by far is an incredibly hilarious, awkward, and very dramatic Oso scene on a boat where he's like, no, no, I have to jump off this boat now for my epic vengeance tale. And I must <laughs> forward on. I must swim. Uh, must swim. I, I, fa- I farewell thee. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's so it's great. Isn't it funny? But, but, how then, but then that swimming sequence, you know what that reminded me of? What was that uh, Rob Schneider movie where he sort of like swims the animal, like a seal? Like the animal. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's what it feels like because he is an animal in this movie. And it kind of reminded me of that when he was trying to swim to the shore. No, there's, and, and we haven't mentioned that, but there's actually much better approaches to the animalistic rituals hmm. uh, that, that people had to go. There's amazing scenes involving um, wolf ideations. Also- they are bad CGI, it must be noted. So that is The Northman. Um, oh, yeah. One one last thought I had on this movie, talking about it just now. It's kind of like a Zack Snyder movie in a weird way. I never oh, would have expected okay. that right. from Robert okay. Eggers. This, this all the, the CGI end. templates, all the, like, tableau-type storytelling and digital stuff and, like, whoa, look at this awesome and big strong guys. And, like, it's the weird intersection of the guy who made The Witch and The Lighthouse and the guy who made Batman versus Superman in 300. It's a bit of a stretch, but okay. It's a bit you 300, have... though, isn't it? it is a bit it's 300. a little bit 300. Okay, yeah. So that is, it is a bit. <laughs> it's for a new generation. A new generation's 300, the Northman, is in cinemas now. Check it out. It's interesting. We'll be back next week talking everything, everywhere, all at once. Everything, everywhere, all at once. And that is, this has been Glenn Falkenstein, Chris Evans, and Varun Nehru. Have a wonderful night. Stay safe. Uh, check out Static Vision. Check out Cinema Reborn. Check out the Spanish Film Festival. And if you're up in the North Coast, absolutely uh, head to Coffs Harbour for Swift and enjoy movies. Good night.